y'all. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to connect you with people and resources to remind you that you're not alone. In this episode number 227, I'm inviting my new friend, Kaylin Perdoma, known by others as KJ, on the show to remind us that if we want to see change in the world and in our families, it starts with a personal revival. It is not worth my time to dwell on and think about a thought that was not from the Lord. There's a verse that says we need to take our thoughts captive. That translated in the original context literally means to interrogate, to capture and interrogate our thoughts. And so if a thought comes through my mind, you know, like even for the speaking for this podcast, God-centered moms, I'm not a mom. I, I have nothing to tell these women that could change their life. I immediately sat down and said, God, is this the truth? Is this from you? I'm interrogating the thought, right? I'm bringing it under the light and it's not withstanding the light. And so I know it's not from the Lord. And so I had to believe something higher than that. I had to raise my vision higher and look to the Lord to tell me the truth in that. Um, And so I would just love if I had a microphone to the world (laughs) and could say, sit down and ask the Lord what he's speaking about you. And throughout your day, if anything, thoughts come up that don't align with what God is speaking, then interrogate it and let it go Mm. because it's not worth your time to believe anything less than what heaven is speaking about you. I always love God's timing on these things. I interviewed KJ and heard her story and then weeks later was in a group and was learning a lot of the stuff she talks about in this episode. She's going to disciple us on how to hear from God, how to find our worth and what he says about us, how to disciple others. It is so inspiring because she is empowered and on fire for things of God and you are going to catch that fire. I'm going to share some more stuff at the end. So please stick around for that because I don't want you to miss some things that God has taught me and some burdens I felt after interviewing KJ and how God allowed me to grow in a few things as a mom. So I'll share with those with you at the end of the show. Before we get to my conversation with KJ, this time of year, y'all is tricky. I know that's not new information. There are so many beautiful, intentional things we want to do, and yet it feels like there's not enough time. Our family loves doing this Advent where we lead up to Christmas by reading through this devotional book with these felt ornaments that we put on a felt tree. My sister made them all, and it's just our version of a Jesse tree. Maybe you have your own thing. We usually do ours after dinner. And so that requires me thinking ahead of what we're going to have for dinner. Well, what's saving my life right now is prep dish. I want to gift you all with the opportunity to use it as well with two weeks for free. If you don't like it, don't use it again. That's totally fine. But I want you to try it out, especially in this crazy time of year. They're going to send you a meal plan with all your meals. This week, I have a meal plan for sea bass, which amazing, and then steak and a chicken chili and a pork chop, all great things. They give me the grocery list on what I need, how to prep it ahead of time, how to reheat or cook it that night, and it makes it possible for me to gather around the table with my boys and my husband and work through this Advent together. So we're talking about the stories that lead to the promise of Jesus. So if you want to check it out and try it, go to prepdish.com forward slash DMA to get those two weeks for free. Win-win. All right, let's get to my conversation with KJ. Here we go. Hey, KJ. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited. You don't even know. You don't even know what's coming. 
thank you for being on here. And I know you've said it. You're not a mom. And why are you on a mom show? But I spending just a little bit of time, like parts of a weekend, was so influenced by you and what God's done in your life and what he is doing that I have to share you. I have to share good things with my friends listening. So thank wow, you for being I'm willing. So honored. Oh, it's a gift. Y'all, you're ready for a gift. Um, <laughs> so let's start with your story because it's a testimony to what God does, right? Yeah, for sure. It is such a testimony to the faithfulness of God, for sure. So where do you want to start? Um, I'll start at the beginning. Okay. Um, my biological parents got pregnant with me, so their families would allow them to get married. <laughs> and they got married in a courthouse and I'm in my my biological mom's belly even. And 11 months after I came into the world, my sister graced us with her presence. And about a year after that, our parents got a divorce and we went with our biological mom. She got uh, addicted to methamphetamine and started using and dealing. And our dad's aunt. So my sisters and I's great aunts stepped up and took us. My sister went with one great aunt and I went with the other. And the papers were finalized when I had just turned three. And so from three years on, I was raised by my great aunt, who I now call mom, because she has raised me and has earned that title. And so my sister and I kind of grew up in church with them. So did they live near each other? Like these two? Yeah, we lived in the same town. Okay. Yeah, we went to the same church and everything, same school. Um, and so we grew up in, in the church. I think we stopped going around first or second grade. Um, but in those years, you know, Jesus made a big impact on my life. And I would say that I was saved at one of those summer camps. And I really met Jesus. And he marked my life for just a radical zeal for him at a young age. And although I stopped going to church in elementary school and junior high and high school, um, I would always tell people about Jesus. And really... I just knew that there was more to the world than than what people were offering, and I knew that was Jesus. But through elementary school and junior high and my first year of high school, I was traumatically bullied. I was physically bullied and emotionally bullied and verbally bullied, and it was really hard. And I remember being a fourth grader and wanting to end my life, and I don't feel like any fourth grader should feel like that. And so that's why I'm so passionate now about hearing the voice of God and, and speaking that over ourselves. But uh, I went through elementary school believing that I had no worth and no value because no one would befriend me. I was too much for people. My personality was too flamboyant and too extroverted um, for people to be my friend. And I just inherently felt like I had no worth because no one wanted to invest in my life. I get to junior high and the same things happen. Even with the faculty of the school I was at, I didn't feel loved or valued or seen. And I wanted, again, to end my life in junior high. Someone invited me to church and I started going again. And I had all these big questions for the church and for God. Like, do you even care about me? I have no friends I am bullied. I feel worthless. Are you even real, God? And so I, coming into my freshman year of high school, wanted to disprove the existence of God, which is so silly to say. But I think in the back of my heart, I, I still believed. But because so many bad things had happened to me, it was enough to make me search out, is God really real or not? Um, and so 
I started reading books and going to apologetics conferences, which is um, apologetics is just the study of defending your faith and making sure you know biblically what you believe is true and, and learning how to argue that almost. And so um, I met with William Lane Craig, which is an incredible uh, man of apologetics in that field. And I got to speak to him and he brought some resources into my life that showed me apart from the Bible, there are texts and records proving the existence of a man named Jesus Christ. And I read these and it was really hard for me to not believe. I had seen too much and read too much and I had to believe in nothing less than the man of Jesus Christ was the son of God. And so I started really putting my all in my faith and I moved high school as my sophomore year and everyone knew I loved Jesus. And I, I stood for the least of these and I wanted to pray for everyone. And I discipled a, a teacher here and there. And so I kind of gained my zeal probably in high school and I haven't really looked back. <laughs> so when you did that, when you, let me go back to when you did the research, like when you were learning the apologetics, do you think yeah. that you were doing that just because you wanted to prove the faith you had or you had lost your faith completely and it was more like from a place of an atheistic heart? Yeah, I think it might have been a little bit of both. I, I know that because I was hurt, I wanted to stick it to the man. I wanted to prove God wrong, that he wasn't real. But part of me was really wanting to believe in something higher and greater and better. Um, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. And so I was only drawn to seeking truth and finding truth by the Holy Spirit himself. And so I think it was a little bit of both. And then another question is, in this period of time, elementary, and you're being bullied, um, I know some of the moms are listening and they're like, your mom was out of the picture and you had your great aunt. What was her role in all this? What, did you talk to her about it? Did you let anybody know that this was going on and how you felt? That's a great question. Um, I want to, on the front end of this, just speak a blessing over my mom. She did the best she could. She's amazing. She always provided for me and still does. Um, and so I just want to honor her in that she did the best she could and, and is an incredible mom. And I totally look up to her. With that said, we all can do better in life sometimes. And uh, I've spoken to her about this once or twice, but I wished that she could have not been up in arms and fist blazing to the front office of the elementary school, but I just wish I had an advocate and I feel like I almost didn't some of those years. And a part of that might have been on me because I didn't let her know how bad it truly was. And so my sister's mom, my, my other great aunt, she um, is very, very extroverted. And so she would come up to the front office sometimes and, and fight for me. Um, I would just say, and I've thought about this too, Heather, if, if I'm a mom with a child in a school being bullied, I would hope that I have cultivated an atmosphere and a culture in my home that my child can approach me about these things hmm. and tell me the truth. And I would just hope first that my, my child could come to me. And my mom always gave me grace and was always a safe place for me to come to her. And so I, I really appreciate that. And I think uh, after providing that grace for my child to come to me, I would speak truth to my child and just let him or her know that the things that are being spoken over me is not the truth of God. And I need to let it go. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard 
but I have to believe that what God says is the truth and nothing less. It's that simple. And I believe that my role as a wife and someday as a mother can never supersede my role as a daughter of God. And so I hope that I would be someone who sets an example of hearing from God for my own identity and my own security before anything else. And so I want to lead my children into hearing the voice of God and just sitting down with them and saying, okay, well, what does God have to say about this? They may say that, but, but what does God say? What are you hearing from the creator of all things, you know? Yeah, no, that's so big. Like we can't really point our kids to the truth of what God says about them if we haven't heard for ourselves. That's so helpful. So good. Yeah, um, for sure. My life didn't change until I started doing that. And then, <laughs> and then just simply the last thing is I would probably go up to the school and say, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> that's the big thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I know it's tricky. It's always tricky when we're reflecting back and we never want to, like you said, dishonor our parents. And as a parent myself, like I'm doing the best I can and I know I'm making a lot of mistakes, but um, it's also so good to like learn and experience and grow. And so thank you for sharing a little bit of that story. Um, Okay, so let's get back to you. You're in high school. You're passionate again. You've discovered the (laughs) truth of who Jesus is. He's a real person and he's really God. Was it harder? I've heard this. It's harder sometimes for kids who've grown up in the church to believe Jesus was a real person sometimes. Yeah, I think we just see felt board Jesus holding yeah. a lamb, yeah. you know, and, and we forget that he was a real Jewish man. And that real Jewish man is now on the throne in heaven interceding for his inheritance. And I think to come to Jesus, to be saved, to live in radical obedience we have to first rightly see Jesus. And for us to be inundated throughout our young years as a child who, you know, was born in the church, it's hard for us to remember that these aren't veggie tale stories. These are real stories that happened. And we're to model our lives after that. And so I think spending personal time with Jesus helps that in our older years to remember that Jesus is a man who cares about us, who's praying for us, um, who's more than just felt bored Jesus holding a lamb, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're passionate. You're discipling teachers, which is so cool. <laughs> um, and so then take us to the next part. Yeah, I um, drank the Kool-Aid, moved off to College Station and became an <laughs> Aggie. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all don't even know. Y'all don't even know if you're not from Texas. I mean, if you know, you know, it's you know, hard you know. to explain it, you know. It might be a cold, but I'm, I'm not, not sure. I'm not it's from fine. here, so it shocked me. I was like, oh, my goodness. These people really love their thumbs. Just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is, that's a good one. I haven't heard that one. <laughs> so you get to, I mean, Aggieland is, it's not a Christian school, but there are a lot, there's a lot of faith there. Yeah, yeah. I would say I'd actually signed to play lacrosse at a Baptist school in Oklahoma, and I ended up not going there. I wanted to go to a school that, I would be able to reach the lost and also be in community so I wouldn't be empty and, and out of touch with what God has called me to be. Mm. And so I, I like to call AM the biggest Christian, non-Christian school probably in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is such a, a God-centered community there, but there are tons of people who don't really know the Lord. And so it was really cool to be able to dive into that. I didn't have a community my freshman year. I was dating this guy who I just was kind of rolling along life with. And 
eventually was like, I'm probably not going to marry this guy. I should probably break up with him. I don't want to waste his time, his future spouse's time, my time, my future spouse's time. And I'm not really honoring God in this relationship. And so I ended up breaking up with him and I started diving in deep to a church community that my roommate actually was involved in. And they showed me what it looks like to practically on a day-to-day, hour-by-hour level, follow Jesus. And it was really cool to see. It is a culture, this church group for college kids that I was a part of. I just, I can't even put it into words. They just cultivate a culture of following Jesus, no matter what, even when it's hard. And that's their level. Like anything underneath that is not worth our time. And so the zeal that I had was only (laughs) magnified when I started humbling myself into community, humbling myself in the word, really seeking to hear the voice of God over my life and really just diving in deep to community Um, because I, I didn't really have that growing up. And so my last three years in high school, I wouldn't really invest in friendships because I, in the back of my mind, I still thought people were going to hurt me. I still thought people didn't care about me and people didn't want to invest in my life. And so I still struggled with knowing that I was worth the investment even through my last couple years of, of college. And that really, I guess, manifested itself. My sophomore year of college, I entered into a deep depression, a clinical depression. I couldn't get out of bed. I didn't want to move. I couldn't go to class. My grades were really plummeting. And I didn't want to believe the truth about myself is is really what it was. I didn't spend time with Jesus anymore. I would have night terrors and super bad nightmares. And it wasn't until my friends invited me to this group hangout. (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) cry. I finally said yes to a group hangout because I didn't want to spend time with people. I didn't want to be around people. And I finally show up to this bowling night and I got there late. I begrudgingly came and a name was on the screen. It said KJ. And I asked one of my friends, Lauren, I said, who is that? Did you let someone go for me since I showed up late? And she sat me down and said, no, that's you. I'm going to start calling you Kaylin Joy until you realize that you are more than your depression and you are honestly the most joyful person in my life I know. And my friends started calling me Kaylin Joy and speaking and prophesying joy over my life until I came out of my depression. My friends changing my name and calling me KJ and Kaylin Joy is not what pulled me out of depression. They were just echoing what the father was saying, but them standing beside me and, and pursuing me, even when I didn't want them to, and them loving me like Jesus would have loved me and humbling themselves and seeking the truth for me when I couldn't made me turn to Jesus. And it made me want to hear what the father was speaking over my life. And I said, okay, God, you clearly think I'm joyful. I guess I should start living in this. (laughs) And so every morning, every morning I would wake up before my feet hit the floor. I'm, I am so earnest about this. I would sit and lay in my bed and ask God, God, what do you think about me? Holy spirit, show me what Jesus is praying about me. Jesus, what do you have for me today? Because if I left my bedroom without hearing the voice of of the father and hearing what he thought about me than anything the world told me that day I would take as truth. Hmm. And it was so unhealthy. And so my life didn't 
change. My depression didn't end until I, I was wholly submitted to community and I was wholly submitted to hearing the voice of the Father speak over me. KJ, my stars. <laughs> so powerful. So powerful words, right? They spoke words over you. They changed your name. They prophesied and you hear from God who he says you are. More words. And some people are like, oh, people talk about hearing the voice of God. What does that mean? Oh, it's so easy. Oh, this is my favorite thing. <laughs> but you're, I mean, but I, you're not saying out loud you hear a voice. No. So it's not this thunderous, booming voice of God, but it's this, this quiet inner voice that I hear. And, and I like to tell people, if you sit down with God and you say, God, what do you think of me today? And you hear, oh, you're just this silly girl who can't change the world and you're ugly and can't do anything. Oh my gosh, that's probably not the voice of God. Why? <laughs> because it, it doesn't align with scripture. And so to hear the voice of God, I first had to dive into scripture and really make sure I knew what the Bible was saying. Because if what I heard didn't align with scripture, then it wasn't the voice of God. And I like to say this, God will sometimes speak outside of scripture, but God will never contradict his written word. And so to hear the voice of God, I first had to read the Bible and see what he's already spoken. Because mm. if I don't believe what he's already written and spoken, then I can't believe anything thereafter. And it's like you're tuning your ear. It's like you're training yes, your ear. Yeah. Because um, when I would teach kids with cochlear implants, all sound was coming in, but they couldn't discern um, one sound from another until I trained them. Like that is a knock and that is your name. And those are two different things. And they had to learn that. And that's basically what you're doing when you're like looking at scripture. This is this is almost like the decoder, you know, and then yeah, I'm hearing. So and, and I always heard like it's not this loud voice, right? But it's almost like a fleeting thought. Like it kind of crosses your mm -hmm. mind and that can be the voice of God. And you just kind of reach yeah, out and you grab sure. it and you pay attention to it because thoughts are floating through our minds all the time and not all of them are from him. And we always yeah. wonder, was that just me thinking that up? And if it's truth and it's speaking life over you, then even if it was you making it, <laughs> that's great. Focus yeah, in on that. <laughs> like that can't hurt you. That's not going to hurt. Yeah, you. that's so good. Yeah. I have a friend that thought for the longest time she couldn't hear God. And I said it was like a radio, like radio stations are always putting out uh, music and speaking and, you know, whatever they are. But like, if I don't tune into that correct wavelength, then I'm not going to hear the words. And so we just have to humble ourselves and really tune into what he's saying and how he wants to tell us. And mm -hmm. sometimes it's through other people and sometimes it's through the Bible and sometimes it's it's really spoken to us. But we just have to be humble enough to, to tune in and listen. Mm, so and good. I and I also you mentioned I forgot what you said, but it made me think of taking our thoughts captive. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. It is not worth my time to dwell on and think about a thought that was not from the Lord. There's a verse that says we need to take our thoughts captive. That translated in the original context literally means to interrogate, to capture and interrogate our thoughts. And so if a thought comes through my mind, you know, like even for the speaking for this podcast, God-centered moms, I'm not a mom. I, I have nothing to tell these women that could change their lives. I immediately sat down and said, God, is this the truth? Is this from you? I'm interrogating the thought, right? I'm bringing it under the light and it's not withstanding the light. And so I know it's not from the Lord. And so I mm -hmm. had to believe something higher than that. I had to raise my vision higher and look to the Lord to tell me the truth in that. Um, and so I would just love if 
I had a microphone to the world <laughs> and could say, sit down and ask the Lord what he's speaking about you. And throughout your day, if anything, thoughts come up that don't align with what God is speaking, then interrogate it and let it go. Because mm. it's not worth your time to believe anything less than what heaven is speaking about you. Powerful. So this time in college is like your personal revival, right? Oh my gosh, yes. Um, I learned how to be in community and I learned how to hear the voice of God. And that is what truly changed my life. I firmly believe that if we weren't supposed to live in family and in community, then God would not have called us children and himself father. Mm. And so I had to be okay with a messy family and a messy community. And I had to be okay with people speaking into my life. I love these two um, passages. Exodus 17 talks about how Aaron and her helped hold up Moses's arms when he needed to, to hold his staff to win a war. It's a really cool passage. Everyone should go read it. <laughs> and so I have, to, I have to allow people to help me and hold up my arms when I can't. And I have to do the vice versa of that. And then throughout the Gospels, uh, one of the times is in Matthew 26, when Jesus asked his best friends to wait outside the garden so Jesus could go pray. He comes back. Jesus comes back to them and they're asleep. This is the savior of the world. And they fell asleep on him. But what did he do? He extended grace to them. And so we have to opt into community, but we have to give them grace when they fail. And family's messy and living in community and life on life is messy. But if God didn't want us to, he wouldn't have called himself father, you know? Yes. And I know when you and I were talking, when we just met, we're just fast <laughs> friends, you were saying how passionate you've become about how God's going to move in revival. Talk to us about that. Oh my gosh. Revival looks and acts like something. And before I see it uh, in my personal family and in my church family, I have to see it for myself. And so again, I just, I believe that personal revival looks like intimacy with Jesus seeking what is most holy and radically obeying the Father. And in college, I loved Jesus, but there was still more I could do. There's always more. And it, I'm not talking about a workspace mentality here. I'm just saying, how can I most effectively and most radically live for the kingdom of God and seek to bring heaven down to earth? And going to church for an hour on Sunday and never talking about or putting into action what I learned was not enough. My week-long mission trips to a third world country where my heart <laughs> ached for a week, but then I went home to never speak it, of it again was not enough for me. And worship music just in my car ride on the way to school was not enough for me. When I went home to watch TV shows and played violent video games, you know, I just, I'm called for more. And I had to submit myself to seeking what is most holy and obeying the Father and living in community and teaching other people how to do that, that stirs revival. And so if we want to see Jesus come back, which the Bible says Jesus won't uh, return for us until all have had a chance to hear. And I believe that there's going to be one last revival in the world that will lead us to Jesus returning. I have to seek personal revival and then seek it in my own community. And I believe that all great revivals started with a wave of repentance. And so I want to model that in my family by being quick to ask and extend forgiveness. Right now, it's just my husband and I, and we don't have children, but when we do, we can't wait to just totally humble ourselves and eat the dirt under their feet to teach them that being quick to ask and extend forgiveness is something that we should do all the time, always. I think Christians should be the number one to say sorry and ask forgiveness in the world. And 
we should look different than the world, you know, like the world says arguing is totally fine and turning your backs away from people is okay. But seeking reconciliation is literally the message that we have been gifted as ambassadors of Christ to show the world. And so I have to believe that uh, having a repentant heart uh, to God, my personal time, and then to my husband, which is my family, is what will fuel revival and modeling that to my community. And another way I think revival will, will be stirred in the church and in the world is by families prioritizing intimacy with Jesus. And that looks like spending time in the word of God and praying together as a family. My husband and I do this every night. Our schedules are a little crazy right now because he opens a coffee shop and I work at a church. And so we don't really get times in the morning together, but every night we make it a priority to spend time in the word and pray together. It's so, so, so important that we seek Christ together. Mm -hmm. And I just have two more ways. I mean, it's just really practical. We have to be unshakable in our identity as children to God. I, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but my role as a wife will never supersede my role as a daughter. And so if I don't first receive love from God, then I can't extend it to the world. And if I first don't receive love for myself, then I can't extend it to others, right? The Bible says we love others the way that we love ourselves. But if I don't love myself well, then I can't love my husband well. I can't love my neighbor well. And so I have to hear from God and be rooted in my identity uh, to God before I can teach the world how to do that. I have a question for you in that, KJ. So there are a lot of women listening that have similar stories to yours, as much as I hate it about this broken world, where there's might be like a root of rejection from parental choices and addictions and living in home situations that they don't love. And that has colored how they see God's love for them. Wow. Yeah. What did God do to help kind of release those chains for you? Those um, lies of rejection and, and not enough. Like you said, was I not good enough for people to love me like in those elementary years? And you talked about God's voice, but like, was there something specifically he spoke over you that has loosened those chains? Wow. That's so good. I think learning that I have worth and hearing from the Father and Him telling me that I have worth freed up a lot of space and a lot of room for me to believe that. Because remember, I, I sought to prove or disprove the existence of God. And when, I, when He showed me that He was real, I couldn't believe anything less than that. And so I just inherently had to believe that His words mean more than anyone else's. And so I just approached forgiveness towards my parents knowing that if I have worth, so do they. And I have to give myself grace when I fail, which means I have to extend grace for my parents when they fail. And so I don't think it was this big, the skies, the clouds are popping and this ray of sunshine is beaming down on me. And, you know, and I have been given the gift of forgiveness towards my parents, but it was a daily choice to sit and receive truth about myself and them. And I think, honestly, it was kind of an overtime process of, knowing my worth and knowing my value and knowing I'm a sinner and that I can't approach the throne of God without the grace of Jesus. Um, and knowing that I need to gift that forgiveness and grace to my parents as well. I don't know if that kind of answers your question. No. Yeah. No, it's this, it's a long game, right? It's a long yeah, game for sure. And to give encouragement to her that even if there has been forgiveness and even if you've extended grace, that there's this process of unearthing those things that can be planted in those childhood yeah. years and, and bringing them to the light 
because that's yeah. where shame hides is in the dark, but bringing For them sure. to the light. And so that unworthiness can not hide anymore, but God's words can kind of shake it out. <laughs> and it's this yeah, supernatural so work that we can't put our finger on sometimes. But often because it's supernatural, we don't believe that God can do it. We'll believe him for taking the sin on the cross, but we won't believe him to take the wounds of our past. That's so good. Okay. So that was one of your things was believing the truth of who God says you are and his love for you. What was your next one? And the last one, uh, to see revival in the world and in our families, in our lives, we have to be willing to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And we have to be willing to reach out in the mess of the world In my marriage, we feel like the Lord has called us to radically live in generosity, to give every penny we have, um, if God says to one month, and to give clothes away that I no longer need or wear, or to offer more to the church than uh, our simple 10% tithe. Um, And so we've been called to live generously. Another way we can reach out into the world is through evangelism and discipleship. (laughs) This is so simple. If we don't tell people about Jesus, then he can't come home. He will not come back to the earth, you know? Um, And so that can be as simple as um, praying for your servers at restaurants, praying for your gas attendants. Um, We have to be people who radically live for the Lord. And I think this is so funny, but what we think is radical, Jesus really called normal. And so he shared himself with everyone that should be our normal, right? Because Jesus only did what the Father, he saw the Father do, so we should do what we see Jesus do. Um, And so we have to share the gospel with people. And when they are willing to allow their lives to be changed by the Father's love, we have to disciple them in the way that they should go. Um, And that's through discipleship and uh, speaking truth to others. I think discipleship is so powerful because someone is entrusting their life over to you to lead them well and just to point them to the Father and back to truth. And again, all of these things start with personal revival and doing that for yourself. When you've discipled people, what does that look like? Does it look different each time or is there some guidelines? Because I know people throw that around and I know like as a mom, even wanting to disciple my kids, but not really knowing what that's going to look like day in, day out. What have you found to be kind of pillars of discipleship? Yeah, that is so, that's such a great question. There's a book called The Art of Discipleship. I would encourage everyone to read it. It's so powerful. I forget the author's name. Really sorry, author. That's okay. Um, <laughs> I'll find it. I'll link it. I'll link it in the show notes. It's such a great book. It's really powerful. And it, and it brings us back to the root of, of Christianity and why we exist really to disciple people. Acts 2.42-47 was discipleship at its greatest. It's really the church being the church. But that just looks like, for me, sitting down weekly or every other week with a girl and hearing about her life and asking her the hard, difficult questions like, are you spending time in the Word? Why are you believing that lie about yourself? You know, it's (laughs) the best discipleship comes from people who are really great at asking questions. And so I would encourage women who who want to seek discipling younger women to be bold and ask, meet with someone and say, hey, I think you're an amazing young woman. I would love to just hear about your life and, and pour into you in any capacity that you'd let me. Would you pray about me discipling you and simply asking you questions each week? And sometimes that looks also looks like reading books together, going through 
a book together and stopping with each chapter and making sure our hearts are in the right place. And do we look more like Jesus after reading this chapter? What is Jesus speaking to you through this book? And then obviously it looks like going through the word of God together and reading a passage and then asking the Holy Spirit to show us how we can practically apply that to our weeks. Um, And so I'll give you an example. It says, love the Lord, your God with all your mind and strength. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I could say, oh yeah. So this week I'm just going to really love God more. I'm just going to really make sure that I just love him more. Like that is not a practical response to that scripture. Right. And so I would ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, how can I love you with all my mind, um, heart and strength? Oh gosh, this is such an easy verse. I don't know why I'm forgetting it. Awkward. Um, and so Holy Spirit could reveal to me, I want you to love me by pursuing your neighbors across the hallway, invite them to dinner one week. Um, and so really learning how to practically apply the scripture that we're reading will change our lives. Um, and so discipleship for me just looks like meeting up with a girl, hearing about her lives, showing her the truth. If she's not believing that in the fullness and, uh, pointing her back to scripture and Jesus every time. I also have a really cool example of a family that pretty much adopted me through college. I spent about four years with them. I started off babysitting, and then I would just spend nights over at their house watching a movie with all six kids that she had. And I absolutely love this family, and I would be doing you guys a disservice if I didn't brag on this family. But (laughs) they are so healthy, and it doesn't come without hard work, but they prioritize family discussions and what they call heart checks. And so you'll hear kids Uh, In the other room, they have six kids. And so it's really hard, but they do such a great job of it. But you'll hear kids maybe fighting about Legos a room over. And then all of a sudden, you'll just hear them stop and just say, oh, my goodness, how is your heart? Did what I say hurt you? And that kind of culture isn't cultivated with just good wishes and prayers here and there. The parents, Meg and John Ryan, they sit with God they themselves pursue forgiveness and grace to each other. And they teach their kids through modeling that within their marriage. And they are amazing. I could just talk on and on about them, but they have, they have cultivated a culture of forgiveness in their family and the children picked it up and they use it at home and in school. And they love Jesus because they spend time together and they prioritize uh, discussing how they can love each other better. And it has really impacted my life. And I do it with my husband. My husband and I sit down and just say, hey, how have I offended you today? Or how have I hurt you today? I'd really love to humble myself and ask for forgiveness in that. Here's where I did wrong. Will you please forgive me? And the children forgive each other. And I forgive my husband and he forgives me. And they've kind of discipled my marriage. And so discipleship looks like a few different ways and it can be informal and formal. And as long as we point each other towards Jesus, um, which is the goal of discipleship, we'll be doing it right. Fabulous. You mentioned in there, discipleship is asking good questions. I will never forget our little, (laughs) so not mom. Like it was my not mom evening of uh, 1130. I think we jumped in my car with a few of us girls to go help Emily Thomas get her nose pierced. (laughs) Y'all, I've never been to a piercing place in my life, but wouldn't you know, KJ, we're not there about a couple minutes, but she's already talking to the piercer about Jesus. 
and he's bringing up his tarot cards and how they help him hear from God. And we're already in these spiritual conversations. And you just asked him such great questions, like, whereas some people might get into debates and he had questions about Noah and different like aspects of the Bible that he just didn't believe. You asked him the best question. You said, what is one thing I could pray for you today? And if it happened, you would know it was Jesus. That was awesome. (laughs) And he didn't answer you right away. And, you know, I kind of brought it up later again. And when he shared, he really got vulnerable and shared about a physical challenge and once you know, at the end, the end of all that, we got to pray over him and pray for that. And so, you know, who knows what Jesus will do from there. But it was just so cool to watch you be so passionate because you are hearing from God. And this is revival is so important to you that uh, when I'm in this place, that's I'm already feeling uncomfortable. I'm already feeling not cool enough in my little <laughs> yellow dress. <laughs> What you were so you fit in so well in that yeah. tattoo parlor, mm-hmm, let me tell mm-hmm. you. <laughs> like a sore thumb. So did someone model that for you that you knew these questions or they just come to you? How would you how did you know how to do that? So Yeah. So like I said, I just am naturally filled with eagerness and zeal um, to share the gospel because in high school my life was was radically changed, you know? But in college, that that college ministry I said it was a part of we are very evangelistic and we, uh, it's a church planning movement. And we just firmly believe that Jesus isn't coming back until all have had a chance to hear. And it is our most important duty in life to tell other people about Jesus. And I firmly believe that hearing the voice of God is what changed my life. And I want people, other people to experience that. And I firmly believe that Praying changed my life and reading the Bible changed my life and being in a Christian community changed my life. Why would I not share that? If we are really as changed as we say we are, why would we not share that with the world? Mm. Yeah. Amazing. I think the gal listening is fired up. (laughs) I hope so. I hope so. I think she is. You are truly a joy. Um, Y'all don't even know. You just have to see her in person and your smile lights up the room and you're you're just filled with him to overflowing, pouring and spilling out over everyone around you. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us today, for lifting us up, encouraging us. Even for the mom who's listening, who's like, oh, those millennials up to no good. <laughs> no. They're amazing people. Y'all should know a millennial, love a millennial, invite a millennial over. You may be a millennial listening with young kids. Still do it. And you will be blessed. You will be the one that's blessed. Yes. So you will be a part of helping stir revival. If yes, you do that. Yes, totally. Well, thank you, KJ and blessings over your marriage and all that God has for you guys in the future. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> all right. Bye-bye. Okay. I told y'all I'd share with you some of the thoughts I had after I got off that phone call. Actually, I got off the call and I just shared with her that I was feeling burdened on how I had been really intentional to disciple my boys when they were younger, but I'd gotten away from it, that I had not been as intentional with them and really discipling them on their own personal walk with God. And I just started crying. And God is so good that KJ just prayed over me. And actually through her, God spoke a truth about me that he had been prompting in my heart. And it was such a sweet and tender time. 
Well, then fast forward a few weeks and I'm in this group. I've mentioned it on another person's podcast. If you want to go listen to that, the podcast was called uh, Hope Has a Voice by Jenny Easton. And I shared about how I'm in this Holy Spirit, spiritual authority cohort where I'm learning about more about the Holy Spirit and uh, different ways that we can encourage and build up and strengthen and evangelize through the power of the Holy Spirit. So this week we had was literally everything KG talked about. We were learning about listening to God and listening to God for others. And it was so powerful that he'd already prepped my heart listening to KJ's stories. And then I was reading in the different resources we were given on how to do that. And I will definitely share those um, if I don't share them in the show notes on Instagram this coming week. But one of the things we did as an activity is there were three of us women in a group. There's, it's a group for men and women, but they kind of in this part separated the men and the women because um, it gets kind of vulnerable. And we had three women together and two women were listening, asking God what he had to say about a third woman. And it was so powerful how one, when others listened on my behalf, the things they said, how it was so intimate. They didn't, I didn't tell them ahead of time what I needed prayer for, but God knew. And it was such an encouragement to me. And then when I was listening and another woman were listening for my friend, we heard this or saw the same thing for her. And just like, oh, emboldens your faith when you realize this stuff isn't just hocus pocus and it isn't just for us to play around with and for, for games. It's for his glory, for his kingdom to move things towards seeing his kingdom come here. So I told my boys about it. My husband was out of town. And that night when I was putting one of them to bed, he said, hey, mom, there are three of us here. We can do that thing. And I was like, okay, it was me and my two younger boys. I said, what thing? And he goes, that praying thing. And I was like, oh, what? I mean, here I was beating myself up just a little bit earlier about how I'm not discipling them. I'm learning all these new things. I share that with my boys. And now one of my sons wants to listen to God and what he has to say for us. And it was just this really sweet time that I was able to speak identity over one of my sons who struggles with that. And so anyway, just to encourage you that as you're learning new things about how God speaks and how he works, that you can share those with your kids and even practice them with your kids. I felt like KJ's testimony reminded me of that truth. And I want to remind you as well. Also, KJ shared about her depression. And I last week interviewed Tommy Nelson. And I wanted to point back to that again. If you are looking for more help, if you're in a state of depression and perhaps you don't have that community to lift you up and speak over you the truth of who God says you are and you're looking for more, definitely go check out Tommy Nelson's course that he did. It was Journey Through Anxiety and Depression. Uh, if you want to go to don'tmomalone.com forward slash depression, you can find out more information on how to get a license. I did find out from them that they are extending how long you have access to that till the end of March. So if you want to do that with a small group in the spring, get access to that for your group or with your spouse. Um, you can buy different licenses that allow you to stream it as many times as you want until the end of March. And I know y'all enjoyed um, Tommy sharing vulnerably about his own challenges and how we lean on God um, and others to help us get through that season. So lastly, I want to let you know that next week's episode also kind of takes something KJ mentioned a little bit. She mentioned the power of reconciliation and relationships and how she forgave her parents. And my conversation with 
Andy Andrew is going to be all about that, about we, because we are reconciled to God, we can reconcile with others. As we lead into the holidays, I just feel like um, our relationships are on hyperdrive. We are with people a lot and those hard relationships can stress us and stretch us. And so I want to equip you to do that well and model that for your kids and whatever relationships, whether it's with your kids or with your spouse, um, I feel like her word for us is really powerful. So that will be next week's episode. I hope you all are doing well. I did release a Christmas gift guide. Uh, I shared with about it on my Insta stories. Uh, I will put a link in the show notes. If you are looking for help with a gift for yourself or a friend or your husband or your kids uh, or maybe a mentor, I've put a few different ideas, things that I've gotten, things that my sister-in-laws and my family have gotten each other. And so those are just linked there. And if uh, some of them have affiliate links, so if you purchase something, it does help support the show. Um, but I just really wanted to help you all out. I know sometimes I, with this stress of the season, don't give the gifts that I really want to give. I'm just picking something to pick something. So if you want to be thoughtful and get something meaningful, um, I've, I've put several ideas in there too to grow spiritually. And you can find them directly if you go to don'tmomalone.com forward slash 2018 gift guide all together. So don'tmomalone.com forward slash 2018 gift guide. All right. I hope those are helpful and you guys have a fabulous week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's also where you'll find the show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, he said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that is super power. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present and with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.